Let's talk about the most important thing. Let's talk about the thing that's most drastically needed for the body of Christ right now. Something that I had to learn. Something that didn't come natural to me in my understanding. And quite frankly, I hadn't heard many people talk about. It's our identity in Christ. If you notice, in the current age in which we live, people are in an identity crisis. People literally have identity disorders. They... They literally don't even know who they are. And so they look to whatever is popular at the moment. Whatever, they rally around this cause. Well, I'm an activist or, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I'm rallying for this or I'm rallying for that. And there's all this uh, social justice that they're trying to do. But most of it is because they don't know who they are. I'm reminded of that. <laughs> I'm reminded of that old Disney movie. Where you have uh, the, the lion, what was his name, Simba. And he ran away in his rebellion and his bitterness and his hurt and unforgiveness. And he's in a distant land. And then there's that, that crazy old monkey, right? The baboon. He's not a monkey, he's a baboon, yeah. And he says what? Do you know who you are? I always thought that was one of the most pivotal scenes of the movie. I know it's just a little funny thing, a story, and it's just cartoons, but I wonder if the church of Jesus Christ knows who they are. I wonder if we really, really know who we are. You know, I believe the world is losing its identity because the church has forgotten her identity. We, not, we must know who we are. So I want to go through some some verses. I want us to go through some verses and some thoughts regarding Christian identity. And they've been very helpful for me. Because to be honest, when I first started my ministry, when I first started uh, serving the, the king, I didn't understand these things. And I, and I began to work from my identity rather than from my identity. I, I worked for it rather than from it. So if I wanted you to know one thing, work from your identity, not for your identity. Notice the ministry of Jesus before anything starts, the Father's voice. This is my beloved Son and whom I am well pleased. Notice this happens prior to any work being done. There's no miracles. There's no, there's no, there's nothing. You see, Jesus had that confidence that he had the Father's blessing and love before the work. And I see so many people in religious bondage because they're trying to work for the Father's blessing. They're trying to work for the Father's acceptance rather than from the Father's blessing, from the Father's acceptance. So let's, let's look at our Christian identity I want us to know primarily Paul's most common phrase in the Bible. Paul, you know, wrote nine epistles of the New Testament, vast majority of the New Testament. He uses a phrase over 150 times it's used, over, over that amount. I don't know the specific amount because I'm not very good with numbers, but Paul uses the phrase, in Christ. In 
Christ. So if we had to understand our identity in a simple phrase, our identity is that we're in Christ. It is in Christ that we are acceptable to the beloved. That we're accepted in the beloved. That means that in the fellowship of God, in the Father, in the Son, and in the Spirit, if we are in Christ, that we are in that. That's an incredible statement. That we're in fellowship. Fellowship is the heart of the universe, of the heart of reality. The way that the Father treated the Son, the way that the Son treated the Spirit. Look at how they talk to each other. How does the Father talk about the Son? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my Son. Listen to Him. I have glorified Your name. I will glorify it again. How does the Son speak of the Father? Oh, righteous Father, the world has not known You, but I've known You. I go to be with my Father. The words that I speak, they're not mine. I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. I must be about my Father's business, even as a little boy. Jesus speaks of the Spirit. It's good that I go away. If I go away, I'll send one of the same kind. He will testify of me. He'll be a comforter. He will not speak on his own. It's good that I go away. Always honor. Always blessing. That's fellowship. To be in Christ is to be in that fellowship. John in the 14th chapter, I and my Father will come and make our home in you. That's who you are in Christ Jesus. That God lives inside of you. That's your identity. I think it's the greatest compliment you can give an individual. Not that they're godly, not that they're holy, not that they make disciples, but that God lives inside of them. That they're a God-filled man. They're a God-filled woman. Whenever people are broken, they don't look for titles. You know, people, people jokingly call me reverend often every day. Reverend, reverend. You know what the greatest descriptor you can say about someone? God lives inside of them. That's where people go to when they're hurting. That's who the real pastors are, who the real ministers are is the people that are in Christ. So many of the questions, how do we withstand rejection? We get our eyes off of ourselves and we get our eyes onto who we are in Christ. That way we don't ride the waves of criticism and blame. I heard a wise man say, criticism and blame. He said this, he says, criticism and blame, they need to sound the same to praise. So praise and blame need to sound the same. You hear me out? Praise and blame need to sound the same. We don't, people, what they say about us, the highs and the lows, that should have no effect on who we are in Christ. We're acceptable in the beloved. That means we're in. You know, so many times as a young boy, I realized in my, in my young psychology, you know, my, my brother had this group of friends and I was two years old, younger and I always wanted to be in the group. I was always five feet behind, trailing, trying to be in. And I realized 
that that can affect someone mentally. I realize a lot of people have this, you know, they, they had this older brother, a younger brother, or a younger sister that their parents favored, and it affected them. They wanted to be in. I believe with all confidence of mind that the gospel solves all of these issues. If we really understand that in Christ, we're in. We're on the in group. You know how many times you had that group of friends in school and you wanted to be in that group. You wanted to be in. You wanted to have that. You wanted to have that job. You wanted to, you wanted all of these things. We have to understand that the gospel solves all of those issues when we understand that we're in the beloved. We're in fellowship with the creator of the universe. Is there an inner circle than that? Come on. Is there anything more in than having a real love life relationship with the creator of the universe? Do you need anything besides that? You know, so many people, they need a car, they need a house, they need this job, they need that trophy wife, that trophy husband, they need that career, they need that acceptance, right? I mean, you look at what plagues our society with Instagram and all of those things and what people are aspiring towards to be known by God, to be accepted by God, to be a friend of God. The New Testament paints the believer as acceptable in the beloved. That means we're in and we're not out, we're forgiven. That we're a child by faith, a son and daughter by faith, the gospel of John is very clear. To as many as received him, he gave right to be son. To as many as received him, he gave right to be son. We have to understand that. We have to trust and live in that authority and that faith, knowing that we are acceptable in the beloved, that we're seated with him in heavenly places. That we are before the foundation of the world. It was God's plan and destiny for people to be conformed into his image and likeness. That Peter tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature. That we're co-heirs with Christ. Seated with him in heavenly places. We have to understand we're a royal generation. We're a chosen priesthood. Christians need to know who they are in Christ. So many of our problems, so many of our episodes, so many of our discouragements and our psychoses and our mental problems and all of our worries and our anxieties and our perplexities could be solved if we knew that we were in. We're in. We're in Christ. That the blood of the new covenant has provided access that we may have boldness and confidence to access the throne of grace. That we don't work to God, we work from God. He's here inside. As Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is what Jesus taught us. I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Know that. Know that. I spent a lot of time in ministry trying to compel people to evangelize, to share. 
the top. And I say this, a lot of times I realized that I was speaking to people who were not alive. And I feel like it was wrong of me to put that expectation on them because they, they weren't really born again. And I'm not, see, it's just the natural outflow of, of being born again. I think that's, I think it's what plagues our society is. People have an intellectual understanding, but not a personal relationship. People have a, a, an idea and concept of God that they agree to, but not a personal experience, which is a vibrant, dynamic, transformative relationship. Jesus says, he who believes in me, in his heart will bring forth like a well springing up into everlasting life. This is eternal life, to know God. Knowing Him in an intimate sense. And knowing your identity. So that's how you're free. When your heart is filled with the love of God, as Paul says, the love of God has been shed abroad on my heart by the Holy Spirit. So one of the Holy Spirit's roles is to make the love of God go crazy in your heart. Have you ever seen a Jackson Pollock painting? You know those crazy ones where they have all these buckets of paint and they drill it and they just spin the rope and the paint goes everywhere? That's how much the love of God should be shed abroad in your heart. It, it, should, be, it should be on everywhere and on everything. How much God loves you and how much you love God. And from that vibrant love for God, that comes all your obedience. That comes all of your servants. Now we know why Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. You are my friend if you do whatsoever I command you. We always look at that at the legal have to rather than the joyful want to. So it's the other way. It's not that way. It's the other way. It's the loving overflow. Love is the foundation of all obedience. Love is the basis of all holiness. That we love Him, that we enjoy Him, that we delight in Him, that we're in Him, that we live and move and have our being in Christ Jesus the Lord. And it's not a religious thing. It's a joyful thing. David says, the law of the Lord is my delight. You know, it should be a beautiful thing. The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Understanding who we are in Christ is the basis of our transformation that were, have been perfected forever, the Bible says in Hebrews. We have been perfected forever by, by Him. By all those who are being sanctified. It's a bedrock truth, our identity. And I don't think sonship is a trivial thing. Now people, 
I've received so much criticism in my ministry because I teach and preach holiness. You've all heard me preach and teach holiness. I get in a lot of trouble. That's okay. But sonship is not trivial. You don't go in and out of sonship. The point of the gospel is to make sinners into sons. Our sonship is not trivial. It's not flippant. It's not here today, gone tomorrow. We receive the discipline and chastisement as sons. But we should never use our sonship as a license to sin or a a, a freedom to walk in the flesh. We should never treat which is holy as though it was common and trample underfoot the blood of the the cross. No way. And you won't. That's the thing. If If you really love him, you won't. You won't. Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. But don't be deceived. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But that's not a dreadful thing to someone who's in. Because someone who's in knows that he is your holiness. Someone who's in knows that he is your delight and your faith and your joy. And you know that at the end of the day, it was him and you. So that's the beauty of it. What's what we call a mystery? Paul says, I'll show you a mystery. What we call the divine union. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When the spirit of Jesus, the Lord, came into me, it was an infusion. And there was something new that wasn't there before. A new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. He that is in Christ is what? A new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. We have this new, dynamic, vibrant thing. Like if I had, a, I have a glass of water right here. If I put a, a, a tea bag in it, eventually, what would I have? Would I have a tea bag? Yeah, I have a tea bag, but it's also water. But now there's something new. There's a new thing. Water infused with a tea bag, which is tea. This is the same concept. You have Kyle. You have the spirit. Now there's something new. Which is real. Which is eternal. And so the, the tent of Kyle will one day go into the ground. Dust we are, dust we will return. But that which is joined to the Lord is eternal. Is eternal. So when we know our identity in Christ, we have this confidence that we're able to withstand criticism, we're able to withstand praise, which is equally dangerous. When we know that we're in and we're not out, we don't look to people for their approval. We have the approval of God. You see how this is the great fuel for your service, for a successful, vibrant ministry. For the rest of your life, you're okay. 
You're okay. You know, so many of these young small group leaders, they get derailed because they do comparison, right? Oh, my group's not as good as so-and-so's group. And, you know, we've all been there. What are you doing? Are you trusting in who you are in Christ? Are you trusting in the confidence that he who began a good work in you will complete it? You know, so we need to get our eyes off of ourselves. And we need, it's like we, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves and what we're doing and trusting in what Christ has done in us. And understanding that that's how we have boldness and confidence in what he has done. And the thing is, I have found that the enemy speaks against identity. He speaks against it. If you are the son of God, turn this rock into bread. If you are the son of God, jump off the cliff. The angels will catch you. If you are the son of God, worship me and all the kingdoms of the earth will bow down. Before. You see that? If you are trying to get him to doubt who he was. The father's voice. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The enemy's voice. Are you? Prove it. You see that? Be wary of anything that makes you have to prove your identity. You trust in what his word has said about who you are. You trust in what the blood speaks. The Bible says that the blood speaks a better word. It speaks the word of sonship. That he has tasted death for every man. And it is by his blood that we are sons and daughters. He has redeemed us and purchased us. I want us to, in closing, remember. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. I will manifest myself to you. And when the Spirit speaks, He says the same thing over and over and over again. Abba, Father. The Spirit wants us to understand one thing. Sonship. That we receive the adoption of sons by faith. And the Spirit wants to tell us over and over again. Abba, Father. He wants, the Spirit of God wants you to understand that you're a child of God by faith. And you work from that, not to that. You rest in that. Even in dark times, even in hard times, cancers and stillborns, you can, you can say, I'm acceptable in the beloved. I'm in and I'm not out. You see that? We work from our identity, not to our identity. And we reject any voice that doubts our identity of who we are in Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you that by your blood,
We have boldness in Exodus. Access to your throne of grace. We thank you, Jesus, that by your blood you've purchased us from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We have access that we're in. We're acceptable in the beloved. That we're, by your blood, we're brought into the fellowship of God. And that we're family now. And we're friends. And we serve as friends. I'm reminded, Jesus, of what you said to your disciples. You said, I've finished the work. And you said, I no longer call you servants, but friends. Amen.